Anybody got a brain in here? <laughs> There's a lot of activity, you know, that goes on in the human brain. And, uh, you know, I've, I've been, I've been open about, you know, just the, sometimes the, my own personal battles with my own mind and over, I call overthinking, overthinking things. Got any overthinkers in here? Yeah. Got an, overthinking some things. And, and, uh, and the Lord laid this on my heart and, and, uh, not just my personal thing, but something that I've, that as a, for a, for a word tonight and. You can be turned into Philippians. Hallelujah. You're turning there, you know, and I'm thinking of, uh, let's see, I think it was, we'll look back real quick. You're turning there. You don't have to turn where I'm fixing to read from. I'm just going to, I'm going to say this just because it goes with this. I don't need a mic or anything, do I? You guys all right with this? No. Okay. <clears throat> Everybody's familiar with 2 Corinthians 10.5. It's not where I told you to go. I told you to go to Philippians. Go ahead and go there. Go to Philippians chapter uh, 2. 2 Timothy 10.5. I'm in 2 Corinthians 10.5 is where I'm reading from. Casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God and bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. Well, you know, I mentioned the mind because... Um, apparently, if there's, if there's a reason to bring thoughts into captivity, thinking is an issue. Thinking is an issue. And I was reading this, this study, and it was, um, they performed this study uh, in 2020. So this is a recent study. 2020, they performed a study on 184 participants on... How many thoughts enter the brain in one 24-hour period? Now, they did this with technology and with brain waves and brain activity. And so they hooked these things up to their brains. And as they participated in this, it could tell the, the part of the brain that takes on new thoughts when it activated. And that was a new thought being brought into the brain. 6,000 thoughts a day. Technological study. 6,000 thoughts a day go through your mind and mine. Somewhere in the vicinity. So, you know, I just got to kind of playing with that number. And I'm like, all right, 6,000 thoughts. Are those good thoughts or bad thoughts? Didn't say whether those were good or bad. Didn't say whether those were holy or unholy. Didn't say whether those were righteous or unrighteous. It just said thoughts across the board. And I, I really thought about that. I thought that was really neat because I thought... 6,000 thoughts a day, and it's, it's obviously just judging by the 180-plus participants that they had that this is somehow a common number amongst people in somehow a normal regulatory process that goes on in the brain. It's constantly functioning. A bit of a subconscious part of us that's bringing in new thoughts without you even voluntarily choosing that or not. It just brings them in brings them in. Now it can rotate back around, but nevertheless, you had 6,000 thoughts come into the, the, the data banks. And I thought, man, that's really good because the, the Lord uh, speaks specifically in the word. And I just read a scripture there in, in 2 Corinthians 10, 5. He speaks specifically about capturing thoughts. 
which he's saying, pay very close attention to what you're thinking. Pay very close attention to what you're thinking or the thoughts that go through your mind. Those are, those are important. You ever caught yourself, this is a rhetorical question, of course, you ever caught yourself thinking, thinking a, a bad thought? And when I say a bad thought, that's, um, uh, for me, it's the what ifs. It's the what ifs. It's, I got a situation that I'm working out and I'm constantly in my head, it's constantly churning, churning, what if this happens? And what if this happens? And I create these scenarios in my, my head. And I'll tell you, in my brain, Lake probably knows what I'm talking about. Him and I were, were cut from the same stone. <laughs> we think a lot alike. Well, I'll create a scenario, and I'm telling you, I'll depict that thing from start to finish. It, it, exactly. It's a blockbuster. From the, from the time it begins, I work it out, and I'm talking the, the problem in the movie all the way to the climactic ending. I've it all, got it all depicted out in my head. And this was something that I learned early on that I had to get a hold of because I started realizing that the ends of my movies were not any good. <laughs> they, the ends of the movies were, were not any good. And, and what I mean by that is, is they weren't biblical. They were never biblical. I would just run and think all these thoughts and I would come to prayer with defeated thoughts, with defeated thinking. And you think, well, what, what does that matter? It, it really does matter. It really does matter what you come into prayer with. Um, coming in with, with, these, with these ideas of being defeated, and then almost like we're, I would beg God to take them away. But I had never really looked at or mastered 2 Corinthians 10.5 and brought the thought into captivity or actually started paying attention to what I was thinking, realizing, coming to a full realization, that it was hurting me. That's hard. It's hard. That's a hard thing. It's a hard pill to swallow. And so then I take, you know, I realized some things over the years that my own personal thinking, my thoughts, my negative thinking, my negative, the, the, the negative things that go on in my head, the things that I was allowing to stay there, guess what else I was doing? I would bring those into church with me. And I brought my negative thoughts here. Think, well, what does that matter? What does that matter? As long as you keep your hand up and as long as you go through the, go through the, the ritual of church, what does it matter? It matters a great deal. It matters a great deal. Think about it like this. What if everybody in here, what if all of you, none of you controlled your thoughts? There's no discipline whatsoever. What kind of atmosphere would we have when it comes to praising the Lord? What, what, kind of, what kind of atmosphere would we be able to create with our minds running wild? Thoughts on everything but God. Thoughts on, on uh, who had wronged us. Thoughts on our, our money. Thoughts on, on um, maybe revenge. Always on something else detrimental. How do we create an atmosphere that is going to invite the Holy Spirit in? You cannot. Let me just answer that. You cannot do that if nobody has a disciplined mind. The mind has a lot to do with the spiritual aspect of it also. Some people don't believe this, but there's a reason that we were told to get our thoughts under control. And I'm going to show you some scriptures here as to, to why we are told to get our thoughts under control and why we're to be focused on what God is doing at the moment. Um, <laughs> you know, pastors, we've talked about it before. 
and, and, and I've seen it with my own eyes. Um, we've talked about the cell phones and we've talked about distractions and things like that. It's really hard to get yourself locked into what's going on within a service. Within a service when there are so many other things trying to grab at your attention. Which, really what we're saying is grabbing a place in your mind. Grabbing a place in your mind. How many of you praying have ever been praying and started daydreaming? How many have, have actually found it to be a massive struggle to not daydream? Yeah. It's like it keeps drifting. It's like a car that needs a front and alignment. It just keeps pulling left. The thing just keeps pulling this way. And it's, it's very difficult to get yourself into a, a, a proper prayer place when your mind's not going crazy. It's got all these thoughts. Um, I noticed this. The less time I spent with God, the less time the more bombarded my mind became and my thinking became because I would never get attached to the one that would actually be able to bring peace to my mind. It was always seemingly out of control. Very difficult to get, uh, to, to pray properly. Very difficult to get in that place um, of worship with God because my mind always would think about something else. And, this, and I, I've been open about this with, with Misty. I said, my mornings are some of the worst, need some of the worst discipline. I don't know what it is, but my mind feels as though it's on some sort of autopilot in the morning. And there's, I almost at times feel like I'm still dreaming, but I'm sitting on the couch and I'm trying to kind of come to. Yeah. This, is, this is not something that we can't get under control. This is something we can master. And I hope that maybe if I'm saying this, maybe this rings some bells in your world too, that the, the mind is something to get under control when it comes to moving into spiritual places. The mind can take you out of that. It can distract and cause you to miss what God has for you. So I'm going to read here in Philippians uh, chapter 2. It says, if, if, in verse 1, if there, be, if there be therefore any consolation, um, and, and basically when it says consolation, uh, encouragement, if there be any encouragement in Christ, if any comfort of love, if any fellowship of the Spirit, if any bowels and mercies, fulfill ye my joy that you be like-minded. This was uh, uh, Paul speaking to the Philippians here. He, he was trying to tell them, he said, listen, this would, it would really be a joy to my heart. It'd really be a joy to my heart if you, this church, you Philippians, would be like-minded. Think along the same lines. And the reason he was telling them that is because not only he knew that there was major distractions, but he also knew the potential that they held to make a major impact in their area if they would all have the same mind when it come to what was in front of them. Think, think about it like this. If, uh, um, if you've ever had to work with a team, and I'm like legitimately like a team, like a, not just basketball, but if you had to work in business, if you've ever had to work with a team, they'll always say, we need to work together. And, re and really, the way that you work together is we all need to kind of sit down. We need to evaluate what the goals are, what, the, um, what is the, the focus, what are the things that are hindering us, and who's going to take care of the, these situations, and how can we all bring this thing together, and we, how can we gain success? That's usually what happens when you're dealing with a team, regardless of what you're dealing with. You, you've got problems to solve, you, you've got things that need to be done, and there's a, a bit of delegation that's going to go on in that. Well, you know, I, I think about um, what he's saying here and the way that it applies to church, the way that it applies to the body. 
we're being asked to be like-minded. He's saying, I want all of you to be like-minded about what? Christ. To be like-minded about Christ. Can you imagine anything worse? Can you imagine anything worse than everybody coming into church but nobody thinking about Christ? Think about that. So then, then that begs the next question. How are we going to get into the Spirit? How are we going to get into the Spirit if none of us are really thinking the same thing? If none of us really have uh, this, this common goal to get closer to God or to see God move. We've heard that, right? We hear that a lot in the Pentecostal realm. We want to see a move of the Spirit tonight, right? But if, if I'm thinking everything else but the move of the Spirit, how's that going to work? You think the Spirit just comes in and he's like, Hey, you look like you're a bit distracted here. I'm going to go ahead and I'm just kind of mosey on in here and just have some fun. That's not going to work. He's not going to do it. He will not do it. He wants your attention. He wants your attention. Now, that's not just to be applied in a service. That's also to be applied in your personal life, in your own personal life. How do you see God move in your personal life? Make sure your thoughts are in check with him. I'm not saying you have to walk around with this like, you know, like a halo above your head and you just, all you think is holy thoughts. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about, I'm talking about being undistracted by the, thought th the thoughts that you're thinking and making sure that we're spending time with him and that God is having a part in our thoughts and not, not just us. I'm a bad manager of my thoughts. I'm being honest with you. I'm not real good at it at times. Do you sometimes you feel like your thoughts get bogged down? Yeah. I got too many thoughts. I got too many things going on in my brain. <laughs> I've had to take a, bad, a bit of, uh, of extra magnesium at times because my, my thoughts were just, just going wild. And doesn't it seem, though, when you come into his presence, doesn't everything seem to calm down? It does. It's, and I don't want to say it like, I don't want to make it sound like a medical term, but being in his presence is an inoculant to a free-running mind. It's an inoculant. It immediately shuts it down. So why wouldn't we want to spend some time with him? Why wouldn't we want to spend uh, time with the one who can put this mind in check and get the thinking process right? Get us thinking on the right things. Get us focused. Sometimes, church, I'll be honest with you. Sometimes coming into prayer almost feels like foreign territory because my brain is so bogged down with everything else that I'm thinking, it feels like I'm having to detach it from my brain just so I can pray. That isn't right. It shouldn't be that way. So maybe I'm allowing this to go on way too much and I need to get myself check, you know, in, in check. So we're talking about being like-minded. He said uh, it, it would be a a joy to me that you be like-minded, having the same love. What love? Think about it. Having the same love. He said be like-minded, like-minded, and also want you to have the same love. This is Christ's love. And if you want to you check out the definition of love and how it was defined, you can also look at that and, and see what he was trying to emphasize here. And it was important for them to be like-minded and also wrapped around the same love, which is Christ's love. Which is what else? We could just keep going with this, which is perfect love, which is agape love. It's the kind of love that saved you and me from, uh, from hell. The kind of love that keeps pulling us out of our situations, even though we don't deserve it. 
That, that kind of love. He said, this is what Paul was saying here. He said that you be like-minded, having the same love, being of one accord, of one mind. Notice a theme here? Keeps mentioning and thinking. Keeps mentioning the mind. Why wouldn't it be important? It is important. It's, it's, it's vitally important if, if we're actually shooting for something more. I will say this, and let's go, I'll go ahead and give you a free pass. Maybe, maybe uh, you can dismiss yourself. If that's not your goal, getting closer to God, sure, go ahead and let your thoughts just run the show. If, if being closer to God, or let's just put it this way, having a competent relationship with the Lord, if that's something that isn't really of interest to you, then go ahead and think whatever you want. But looking at the scripture, in my own experience, and I'm sure yours too, that if we don't get our thoughts under control and we bring this thing into subjection, not just our flesh, but this brain too, bringing the thought process into subjection under the Lord, maybe we've got to capture a couple of them. But if we don't do that, we're not going to get really anywhere that we want to go with God. We're just not going to be able to do it. Not, not individually and not collectively either. It's not, it's not going to happen. Um, <laughs> we've talked about it, and I, I mentioned it before. We'd be in a service. Mostly, we never have this problem here. But you'd be in a service, and the word's coming out, and you hear that, do 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 And you're like, somebody got the phone. Somebody forgot to put the thing on silent. And it just throws. Oh. And you're like, man, I was... Now, what was you talking about again? Say that again. You ever been in conversation with somebody? And then just somebody could say one thing, and I'm real bad about this. You lose track completely. I don't even remember what they were saying. Pastor, we've been in conversation at your table with a cup of coffee, and my phone or your phone go off, and I don't remember what he was saying. Do you not think that that's the same thing that happens at a church service? And it don't have to be a cell phone. It can be anything. There's, the, there's this fine line and where you've got to stay focused. I downloaded a book, an audio book. Still listening to it. I've made it through quite a ways, and it's called Deep Work. And it's about being in a, in a place where you can, you can put in dedicated time to whatever you are focusing on and that you can be effective at it. And, and how to do that is to get rid of all the distractions. So I really was thinking about this. And even though this book is not, it's not, it's not a spiritual book, but I took the rules and I thought this is really good. Because what this gentleman was talking about was, he said, we don't even re realize how dramatically distracted we really are constantly distracted. We never really focus on any one thing for a very long time at all. We're constantly called out, called away, uh, distracted, bells, whistles, something going off that's pulling us away that are alarms or alerts. You know, every one of you have got uh, alerts on your phone, right? You've got these alerts on your phone. And what the way he described it was, was that we actually have this worldwide or nationwide alert system. And we've got so many alerts and we don't even realize that we have them. They're bells, they're whistles, they're dings. Ding, ding, beep, pop, 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 pop. And it constantly is pulling us over here, pushing us over there pushing us over there, pulling us over here, constantly. 
and we don't even realize it. And so he, uh, he opens with this. When was the last time that you put in one hour of devoted and dedicated time into something completely undistracted? And I was like, completely undistracted? He, it, and this is the way it was presented. Unplug everything, turn everything off, shut the doors, nobody. Nobody distracts for one solid hour. And I got to thinking about that, and then I applied that spiritually, and I'm telling you something, I didn't get a good result. I wasn't very proud of myself. So one hour, dedicated, devoted, undistracted. No dings, no pops, no nothing. One hour. He said, it's impossible. It's impossible for you to ever find that place that you want to because we're too distracted. And so we carry, what do we do? We carry the distraction with us. We carry it to church. We carry it to prayer. We carry all these places. And I'm not just talking, please, I'm not harping on your phone. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about our lifestyles. It's very hard to be like-minded people when we're constantly allowing ourselves and give ourselves permission to be whisked away to something else. And I, I've, I'll be honest with you, now I'm 40, I'll be 43 here shortly, <laughs> like a couple of days. I'll be 43. And I have found this kind of lifestyle to be very unappealing to me now. In fact, it angers me at times. It frustrates me. My, my kids say, well, you're getting old. Yep, maybe so. But I find it very frustrating that it seems like everything is re uh, regulated by dings and bongs and pops and, and rings and all these other things that push us and pull us in these directions. So let, let's just keep going. I'm, uh, I'm sorry. I want to keep moving. Um, uh, being a one accord and one mind... And then in verse 3, he says, uh, let nothing be done through strife or vainglory. And, and what that basically means is, is you know, don't do anything by uh, forming uh, sides or taking sides. But in lowliness of mind, let each esteem other better than themselves. If you notice that verse 3 deals specifically with your interaction with other people. That's what it's speaking of there. It said, you know, let nothing be done through strife. Don't, don't be... Don't be hard to deal with, but in lowliness of mind. We're mentioned, we got mind again, right? It's being thrown in there. Be in lowliness of mind. What does this mean? That we esteem others better than themselves. I went back to uh, one of the definitions of love for this one, and that it, one of the traits of love, if you'll remember, was keeps no record of wrongs. You remember that? Keeps no record of wrong. That's what love does. In its purest form, love does not keep any record of wrong whatsoever. And I really got it because I looked at this and I asked what I seen was keep your working, your interaction with other people. And it says here, this is the command that we esteem other people better than ourselves. And actually what the word better means in the Greek actually means superiority. The word better means superiority. So you look at someone else and you esteem them higher than you. And that's kind of weird. It's kind of a weird feeling because you're like, but they don't deserve it. Think love, okay? Keeps no record of wrongs. You will esteem people or you will put people higher than you if you love them correctly. Just go back there and look at look at the trait of love. Look at the um, 
Look at the symptom. You want to look at that? You want to call it that? The symptom of having good, correct love is that you will put them higher than you and you will put them before yourself. Because it kind of starts a flow here in these scriptures, and you'll notice it as we go. There's kind of a flow here, and it starts really digging into you as the person and challenging you. Because it's already challenging me here because it's telling me I need to love people properly by putting them first. Well, that's not the way you were trained. That's not the way that you were trained in society. You were not trained to put somebody else first. You were trained to do some good deeds. You were, tra you were trained to throw somebody a bone from time to time. You get the analogy. But you weren't trained to put somebody else above you all of the time. It's different. It's different if you do it like once in a while. Or it's different if you do it once a year, you know, get your annual thing that you do. That's different. But it's something else entirely to actually make it your lifestyle. That you constantly take a back seat and you put somebody else ahead of you. That you are seriously wanting someone else to be ahead of you and that takes all your, all your pride, all of your, all your um, self-thinking goes out the window. Because look at, look at what he says here, because it kind of flows here. Um, uh, esteeming someone better than ourselves. Uh, look not every man on his own things, verse 4, but every man also on the things of others. You, uh, you have been programmed since the beginning to mind your own business. That's what you've been programmed to do. You've been programmed to mind your own business. And if you don't mind your own business, then you're told to do so. You get too far over into someone else's lane. Hey, you know, I'm just, I'm just kind of checking on you. You know, hey, we're, we're good, okay? We're good. We did, do, listen, there's like this hardwiring in us. We don't even, a lot of the times we don't even like being checked on. Because we think we're being, somebody's implying something. Why do you keep checking on me? You think there's something wrong with me? Not to think that. For a second that you might just be being loved by somebody i mean that's isn't that really the, the reason you check on somebody is because you care for me you love me you authentically care for somebody you're going to check on them you're going to you're going you're going to ask how are you doing and then you're actually going to mean it and see that's actually the challenge here is because you've been programmed from the beginning to actually do the opposite you have been programmed since your birth to mind your own business fight for yourself get to the top whatever that top is and hold it. But when we look at the scripture and it says, hey, esteem somebody higher than you and look not every man on his own things, but on other things. Now, that doesn't mean that I'm going to pry my way into Sean's life. But what that means is, is that I am highly interested in what affects him. Does that make sense? I'm highly interested in what affects him. If Sean is down, I want to know why. If Sean is upset, I want to know why. If Sean is, is doing really well, I want to know why. <laughs> I want him to share that. Why? Because we're thinking like-minded. It's like-mindedness. It all comes back to the like-mindedness. It's impossible to be like-minded if I dismiss you as an individual. If I dismiss you as an individual, how can we come into one accord in the house of God? How? It's impossible. And what I mean by dismiss is... It's like, Nathan, you're on your own, buddy. 
You'll be all right. It was rough for me growing up. You'll be all right. You can make it. If I, if I had this mentality that you're just going to have to learn the hard way, and everybody thinks that way collectively, then we're not actually out putting someone else above us, and we're not out uh, thinking on someone else's matters other than our own. We're just thinking about ourselves. That's strong stuff. That because because even even when I read it, I had to slow down and think. What are you asking me to do here? What are you really asking? Because it seems like you're really asking me to do something that's way outside my comfort zone. This really takes me in a place that I'm not comfortable with. This makes me uncomfortable to uh, to consider people's situations other than my own. And I thought I thought about this. This is an unspoken thing that I see often, and I'm willing to say this, and I hope that you're willing to receive it. What I see often is this unspoken challenge amongst people of who's got the most difficult situation in their life right now. And it's like this contest of who's struggling the most, who's dealing with it the most, and no, we don't have a rating board about who's dealing with it, but I can hear it in the voices. It's the information that's shared. It's the information that's shared. I hear people talk, and they're, you'll hear them conversate, and it's, you'll, they'll start sharing information, and I'm thinking, they don't even need to know that, but the reason you're sharing it, you can tell the reason they're sharing it is because they're trying to be the victim. Well, I'm really struggling right now. And let me tell you why I'm struggling. And then there's this long spill about all the tough things that have befallen them. It's not a contest about who's struggling, okay? It's not. It's not a contest on who's dealing with the hardest thing. Who's dealing with the, the most difficult circumstance. Life is hard enough. Let's not make it any harder, <laughs> okay? Life's, life is hard enough. Let's not make it any more complicated or difficult. I don't need a badge of honor from you for you to tell me, you know what? Yeah, you are going through a hard time. I guess I don't need to say anything. It's almost like we're looking for this like superiority. That's that superiority. Let's put someone else in front. And let me tell you what that would look like. Lath or Jesse shares their situation with me. And I'm not even going to tell them what I'm going through. Why? Because I'm going to give them the floor. Mm. I'm going to give them the floor and I'm going to listen to what they're saying. Think about that. I'm not going to feel the need to inject what I'm going through because I'm going to put him above myself today. I'm going to put, I'm going to put him above me today and what I'm going through is not important. What he is going through and the reason he is telling me he's going through this is because it bothers him. He's going through something. He's in a battle right now. You know what? I'm not going to share anything. I'm not going to say, you know what I think you need to do? No, I'm not going to do any of that stuff. I'm just going to listen. You ever feel that? You ever feel that undue pressure when someone begins to speak and you're thinking, well, what am I going to say? You ever feel that? Like, what am I supposed to say? I'm going to have to say something. Actually, you don't. Actually, you don't have to say anything. Actually, you just need to be there for them. Imagine, imagine what it would be like. Imagine... If we'd start doing that as, 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 a, as individuals, 
we stop injecting ourselves and we start putting people first and we start being more interested in what someone else is going to than trying to beat them with who's got the biggest story who's got you know who's got the biggest scar you know <laughs> let's see how big your scar is oh mine's bigger it takes on a whole new meaning when we do that all right um now look at five because here we're going to switch because switches gears here let this mind this is the mind we're wrapping it up here let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. Oh, that's good, because it's throwing it now. It's like he's been talking about the way that you think and the frame of mind. And let this mind be in you. And then it says, let this mind be in you that was in Christ Jesus. If ye thought it, then you need to think it also. Who, being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God. And what it's speaking of there is speaking of the Trinity, Okay. I don't have to spend a lot of time on that, but it's speaking about the Trinity and the fact that that Jesus, if you see me, he said, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. They were, they, it was the Trinity, three, but one. But make himself of no reputation and took upon him the form of a servant and was made in the likeness of men. Keep in mind here, if you follow the scriptures, you'll see what's being said, because he said, make sure this mind is in you also. The mind that was in Christ, make sure it was in you also. And then he starts defining what he did. It took upon him the form of a servant and was made in the likeness of men. What is he saying there? That you should also take on the form of a servant. That's exactly what he's saying. He's saying you look at him, then you, you look at you, and there needs to be some similarities. You know, kind of like um, <laughs> uh, there was uh, the boys that had a, uh, we was playing around with the Nintendo DS. That's an old, old gaming system. Some of y'all might remember that. And it had an app on there, or a little program, that it would scan your faces. You put two faces on the screen at one time, and it would tell you what the percentage of, of the fact that you were related or, or not related at all. So Zayden and Zell stuck their heads in there, and it scanned them. What was it, 1%? Unrelated. <laughs> and we laughed, and we thought that was hilarious. And then they scanned it like four or five more times, and finally told them they were twins. Finally. And I thought that was really funny. But it's it's like that in the spiritual realm. You need to look like your father. There should be some similarities. You should look like him. You know, I can tell y'all are related. That's exactly what people need to see when they see you. They should Amen. be able to see Jesus and Amen. say, I can tell y'all are related. I can tell y'all are together. That's, that is the way it's supposed to be. Okay. Um, verse 8 and being found in fashion as a man he humbled himself and became obedient unto death even the death of the cross what's this saying it's telling you yes it's saying this is what Jesus did but notice here and being found in fashion as a man as a man women and men were human he humbled himself, humbled himself, and was obedient. So what's the what's the what's the uh, the line that we draw across? That the same humility, the same obedience, should be something that's found in us, because that's the same mind that he had. So if that's the route that he was going to take, that's the same route that you and I got to take. We're uh we're up against the. Uh, we're up against a lot today. We're up against a lot. Um, there's distractions. 
uh, weighing on all of us, and there are things that constantly pull for our attention, and albeit that some of them, even most of them, are things that you need to be responsible for. I absolutely understand that. Um, some of you may think that by giving you a message like this, that I'm, I'm trying to, to go against the grains and say, well, you need to quit this and quit that. It's not, not what I'm saying at all. I'm simply saying that there is something to this mind of Christ in the way that we think, and that it's enormously important in the connection and the pursuit of God. And if our thoughts are not under control, if we're not in, in, uh, in one mind with the Lord, and in one mind with each other collectively, we're going to have a hard time getting to where we want to go. We're going to have a hard time getting there. There's a set of scriptures. I think it's actually at the end of this. You turn with me, and I'm going to close with this right here. Uh, chapter 4, Philippians. You know what it is. If you've been, uh, Chapter 4 of uh, Philippians, uh, verse 7. And start there. I'll just, I'll just read this real quick. And the peace of God which passes all understanding shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, and whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, and whatsoever things are lovely, and whatsoever things are of good report, if there be any virtue, and if there be any, of any praise, think on these things. And then ask yourself this question. Have the things I've been thinking of and being consumed with are they these things? Probably not. Probably not. So, we got a lot of work to do. We got, we got some work to do with, our, with the way that we think. Call yourself out. Check yourself for the rest of the evening and into tomorrow. Begin to check yourself on your thinking. Begin to, begin to pull into captivity the things that are, are detrimental, that are not any good at all. Grab them say, no, we're not going that way. I'm going to think on good things. I'm going to think on the things of God.